Hi everybody, welcome back to the podcast. It feels like it's been a little while. I'm so excited to be here because I have a really juicy episode for you guys today. We're talking all things relationships, red flags, green flags, codependency, the patterns that keep showing up in our relationships and how for a lot of the time we are really accountable for them, how we can choose differently, how we can look to choose the right kind of people and how we can treat relationships more as a verb, a doing word than as a noun, an object, something standalone. So I can't wait to dive into that. It's one of my favorite topics and my favorite episodes. But before we dive in, I do have a couple of announcements and updates for you. Numero uno, as the year starts to heat up and things get busier, I strongly urge you to jump onto my website, www.simplifybykate.com and sign up to the Simplicity Club. That is where you'll get updates and emails from me and you'll be the first to know when new offerings are ready to go. I'm talking stackable Reiki with counseling. I'm talking my simplicity guide. I'm talking upgraded readings. There's lots to come and As I get busier, my availability gets smaller and smaller. So if you want to be able to be the first to know when it's ready to go, when I'm available, how to book in, then you can do that and get in on it while it's hot by signing up to the Simplicity Club. So I really encourage you to go ahead and do that. Plus, I'll send you some recipes, journal prompts, other fun things in between. Now, I am opening up my books for online bookings as well, right? So if you aren't local to Adelaide and you are interested in intuition healing, in Reiki healing, in counseling, you can, of course, still contact me. You can message me on Instagram. You can send me an email or you can still book via the website and contact me to let me know that you are interstate, international, etc. And we can absolutely set that up online for you. So do not stress, you can still get in on the goodness. Last little update before we dive in to the juicy, good relationship stuff. Weekly podcasts are not something that I have capacity for at this stage, which is a pity because I love doing them. But I don't want to leave you guys hanging or feel like I have to rush an episode and not Make sure that I'm including all of the the content and the guidance and the topics that you guys really want to hear. So I'm stepping things back to fortnightly. So every second Tuesday, you'll have an episode ready. And that just means I have a little bit more time to make it perfect so it's ready to go for you guys. And it gives me time to get some guests on as well, which I'm starting to do and I'm really excited about. So If you think that we have a matching vibe, if you think that my listeners would love to hear a little bit about you and what you do and your perspective, hit me up. You can message me on Instagram at simplifybykate or you can email me hello at simplifybykate.com and we can chat about getting you on the podcast. All right, that's quite enough yip yapping from me. Let's get into the juicy relationship stuff. Let's go. Hello and welcome. My name is Kate. I'm a holistic counselor, a Reiki practitioner, and an Ayurvedic wellness ambassador. And I'm on a mission 
I'm looking to rediscover simplicity in a world that seems way too damn complicated. So buckle up and come along for the ride as we talk all things self-development, healing and holistic wellness. We are going to slow down, scale back and rebuild community through radical authenticity. Let's freaking go! So before we go ahead and get started, I just want to acknowledge the custodians of the land that I'm recording on today. I'm on beautiful Ghana country today here in Adelaide, South Australia. Always was, always will be. So I really want to pay my respect to the indigenous owners of the land and their deep relationship with nature, with our skies, our earth and our sea. And I want to extend that respect to wherever it is that you're listening today. I said I was done with disclaimers, but I am going to pop a disclaimer at the beginning of this episode. I just wanted to acknowledge that when I'm going into this relationship chat, I'm bringing my perspective and that is a cishet perspective. So it is still applicable to relationships in general, whether they are romantic, whether they are straight, whether they are monogamous, but I just want to make clear my own background and my own perspective when approaching this topic and coming into this topic. So you can keep that in mind as you listen. I also want to note that obviously I am talking about how we can use our own accountability and our own inner knowing when we're going into relationships and making them intentional. This is obviously not applicable to relationships that are abusive, to domestic violence, to family violence, right? So that is not what I am talking about in these instances. That is just what I want to make really, really clear. If that is something that you are facing at the moment, I have resources and crisis lines in the show notes. I really, really encourage you to utilize them if need be. Now that we're all on the same page, I cannot wait to get into this episode with you guys. So, you know, one of the key predictors of our well-being as humans is the quality of our relationships. We are a social species inherently. That is our biology. So by having better relationships, by knowing how to have better relationships, we are promoting better well-being for ourselves and for others, for the collective for the community, right? With that being said, we also are lonelier than ever. We're more isolated than ever. We're dealing with upheaval around the world that is making us feel isolated. We're dealing with more and more technology and less face-to-face community human interaction. And that is, among many other variables, taking a toll on our well-being. And it's, it's impacting the quality of our relationships. More and more, I see that we no longer seem to know how to maintain our relationships, how to cultivate healthy relationships, and how to ensure that we are maintaining their quality and prolonging their quality, right? Very often, I see that we expect relationships to just exist outside of ourselves, and we don't know how to nurture them and look after them to make sure that they are serving us and serving others as well. So why is this? Why do so many of us seem to struggle with relationship dissatisfaction, with codependency, with jealousy, 
with cheating if we're in monogamous relationships. Why is this when we are such an inherently social species and the quality of our relationships is so important to us? Why do we seem to keep choosing problematic relationships and more so to the point, why do we continue to act in problematic ways that are harming our relationships, even when we may know that that is going to be the outcome? What we're going to unpack a little bit today and and discuss is really how it's a lack of intentionality that is the, the driving force behind many of these issues. It's because, like I said, we are expecting our relationships to just exist outside of us. Our relationships have become a garden that we expect to just water itself and continue thriving without us paying any attention to it. And this is for a multitude of reasons. It's because of our culture. It's because of how we're taught to value relationships. It's because what's romanticized as being important in a relationship. And it's also because of hustle culture and capitalism and the busy societies that we are in. We are pulled in so many different directions and we have so many competing priorities that it can be difficult to continuously put effort into a relationship and to water that garden, it can very easily drop down in our list of priorities. And the challenge is how can we keep our relationships at the top of the list in a world where, although relationships are the key predictor of our well-being, of our health and of our happiness, our relationships and relational qualities and those, I suppose, quote unquote, softer skills are not built up as desirable, as important, as productive, as worthy in today's world. So this focus on productivity is taking us away from building our relationships and maintaining our relationships because that is not seen as productive and therefore it's not seen as a worthy time spend. Basically, we are putting this business lens onto all aspects of our lives and that at its core is really what's detrimental to our relationships and thus detrimental to our health. We seek as humans to be seen, to be understood, to be valued and yet we don't put in the time to see value or understand others or to assist others in seeing, understanding and valuing us. We expect this to take care of itself. We expect the garden to keep on blooming, the flowers to bloom and bloom and bloom and bloom and to look great and to cross-pollinate each other, right? Without us putting in any of the work to make that happen. And that is just, it's just breeding dissatisfaction in our relationships, right? And it's really solidifying this core belief that I see everywhere. That is, I am not understood, People don't see me. And that is a really, really lonely feeling. A really lonely feeling that can deeply impact our sense of worth, our self-esteem and our mental health. But it's such a cycle that we just keep perpetuating, right? I'll give you a little bit of context from my own relationship in that we had originally been seeing each other in 2020 And I had been holding back 
right? I had been hurt before. I wasn't sure what I wanted. I didn't know if I really wanted a relationship. I was holding back, not giving it my all. I had a wall up and I wasn't really being vulnerable and I certainly wasn't being overly intentional about the relationship, partly because I was scared, right? Which I'm sure we can all relate to. We're all human. But when that then fizzled out and we took a break, we didn't see each other for a while and it ended, I thought, oh, damn, I actually had really liked this guy. I had felt something special there. I had felt like it potentially could turn into something really beautiful. And I have endangered it and lost it because I didn't show up intentionally and vulnerably. And he didn't think that I was that interested because I hadn't made that obvious, right? I'm naturally an avoidant attachment style. I tend to lean that way. So it can be particularly hard for me to show up vulnerably and to communicate my feelings, particularly in something new where I don't feel safe. It's hard for anyone, but when you lean sort of into an attachment style that is avoidant in nature, as you can tell by the name, that is even more so the case. So when the universe brought us back together and I got this second chance and we were able to reconnect and pick up where we left off, I made a commitment to myself more than anything where I said to myself, I am going to make this relationship, this time together, a choice. I'm going to choose it every day. I'm going to make this intentional. I'm going to make sure that every day I have intentionally made it obvious that I value him, that I care about him, and that the relationship is of importance to me. And that was really important to me because I was like, I want to go into this being a fuck yeah. I'm going to give it my all because I want it. I know that I want it now and I want him to know that I want it. And I have continued to carry that energy. That's what? Well, that was 2020. It's now 2024. I continue to bring that energy into the relationship every single day. It does not have to be big. It doesn't have to be bold. It's just every day a check-in where I say to myself, have I made him feel valued today? Have I communicated that I care about him, that I love him, that the relationship is important to me? It may just be a simple leaving him a note saying thank you when he does something for me so that he feels valued, telling him that I love him, right? It's easy to do. You just have to decide to do it. You have to decide to do it and make it intentional, make it a choice because that's truly what relationships are. They are a choice, right? You could choose to not be together. So every day that we're in a relationship, we're waking up and we are choosing to be with this person. So I want to go ahead and make that as intentional as possible. When we have relationships where they're kind of just existing, but both people have checked out, it's because they've stopped actively choosing the relationship. It's no longer a choice and they're expecting the relationship to just exist outside of their actions outside of their intentions. And that's not how a healthy, fulfilling relationship works or survives. So this choice I made to show up intentionally every day in this relationship had such a ripple effect. It is one of the most important decisions 
that I have made for myself, for my quality of life, for my quality of friendships, relationships, for my working relationships, any sort of relationship in my life has benefited from this choice, regardless of whether it's romantic. It doesn't have to be a romantic relationship. My relationships with my neighbors are better, with my community are better, with my family, with my friends, with my co-workers, because I've bought the same energy without even meaning to, just from making my romantic relationship intentional and making that such a habit and such a practice, it sort of bled out into the rest of my relationships and is how I show up. And it has benefited my relationships so much. I think even it comes to Monday morning and I think, oh, new week, I'm going to check in with my friends. How are they going? Happy Monday. Have a great week. What's on for you guys this week? I love you guys. You guys are important to me right? Showing up with my neighbors, welcoming them when they come to the neighborhood, checking in on how they're going, trying to build up that community spirit, making sure they know that I'm here. They're things that don't take a lot of effort. It's just that my focus was not there. Society has gone from being a collective mindset to being incredibly individualistic, particularly of recent times over the last 10 20 years and it's becoming more and more so. I'm personally hoping we'll swing back around and have a little bit more of a focus on collectivism because we are really pushed and bred to like really focus on the self and that is stemming this loneliness and this detachment from others. And when our relationships are the foundation of our well-being, the quality of our relationships, I'll say, are the foundation of our well-being. Being overly individualistic and not putting the effort and maintaining our relationships is harming us long-term. So I really invite you to think about that mindset shift, to think about how can I intentionally act in my relationships today? What can I do? Whether it's just texting a friend, whether it's just sending a recipe to somebody because you thought they might like it because they mentioned they like walnuts and you saw a walnut past you like, oh gosh, oh, Jimmy would like this. (laughs) And you send that through, whether it's waving at your neighbor, stopping for a chat, right? Whether it's continuing to say thank you to your partner. Often I hear people talk about their relationships and obviously every relationship is different. It's totally up to you how you're gonna show up in that. But what I find interesting is when people say, oh, we don't do Valentine's Day because it's not for us. Or we don't say I love you all the time because we know that we love each other. It's assumed that we love each other. What I would say to that is never assume. Never assume that somebody knows how you feel. Wouldn't you rather you communicate it and they definitely know? Wouldn't you rather make it intentional? What's the harm? What, are they going to feel too loved? Oh, no. (laughs) Right? The danger in when we say, oh, we've been together 5, 10, 15 years. They know that I love them through how I act or, or whatever the excuse is for not saying it, not being intentional about it. That is where relationships go to die. It's where thriving relationships go to die because we are not receiving our core needs as humans to feel valued, to feel seen, to feel understood. Because if we just assume that the other person feels that way, but we never make them feel that way, how can they? 
And that to me is lazy, to be honest. It is a lazy way to approach relationships. I was listening to a podcast with Esther Perel, who is an amazing relationship psychotherapist. If you have not watched her talks, her TED Talks, or she's on YouTube, she's got books, she's got podcasts, 100% recommend. She is fantastic. I hope that I can be as half of a good relationship counselor as, as she is. But I'll link this particular podcast in the show notes so that you can listen to it if you are interested. But she was speaking about relationships and how we are sort of treating them and acting within them today. And she said, if people treated their businesses how they treat their relationships today, the business would die. Their business would be dead. So we're putting all of this effort into our business, into our working life, because that's what's seen as productive. But our relationships on the side, the core predictors of our well-being are dying. So I invite you to think of your, for a minute, your relationships as a business and think, hey, if this, if this friendship relationship was a business, how would it be doing right now? I think for a lot of us, we'd have to say, not good, <laughs> not great. View your relationships as a choice and make that choice as often as you can to keep the relationship thriving. View them as a verb, a doing word, an action, intentional action, rather than a noun, an object, something that exists by itself outside of us, right? That will shift all of your relationships. It will make them so much better quality. It will make you so much happier and it will impact so many other areas of your life. And, you know, I can draw on my own experience again because I truly have seen both sides of the coin, right? I have seen a whole lot of red flags and dealt with a whole lot of red flags and thought that that was normal and how relationships should be. And I've morphed into the total other side of the coin where I'm seeing all green flags. But then because you're so used to the red flags, you see green flags when you're dating or, or getting into relationships and you think, ew, this green flag does not look good to me, honey. I'm going back. <laughs> I'm going back to the red flag. And this is an inherent problem in our society with how we are shown relationships from a very young age. And toxic relationships are so often romanticized everywhere in movies, in TV shows, in books, everywhere. All of the media that we consume tells us that the extreme emotional highs and lows, right? The passion, the chemistry, the, the drama, that is romance. That is a romantic relationship. And, you know, your partner should be jealous and overprotective and he should want to kill people for you and you are there to save him as the woman you are feminine and you're just there to look after the house and make this angry protective man feel like home right how often have we seen these same tropes show up in media all throughout our lives so is it any wonder that then when we are dating when we're looking for a partner and we come across someone where we have this racing heart right an anxiety response <laughs> 
We have extreme butterflies. We are nervous. It's heightened ups and downs. The highs are so high. The sex is amazing. The lows are low. We're crying about it. Oh my goodness, it's because I care so much. We see that and we think that is the epitome of a amazing, healthy, romantic relationship when truly that is toxic. Our nervous system cannot be in this constant up and down like that. That is not good for us. A healthy relationship is one that is stable, that is safe, that is secure and keeps our nervous system for the most part regulated. I was so used to red flags that when I met my partner and it was pretty early days of us dating and whatnot, I worried that it felt too easy, too comfortable. I thought there must be something missing. There must be something wrong. He must be hiding something or, you know, maybe there's not enough chemistry or something, even though there was, it was not a matter of chemistry or a matter of whether it was right for me. It was inherently that because I was so used to this extreme emotional up and down, this absolute roller coaster, and, you know, a myriad of toxic behaviors keeping me in fight or flight all the time. I was so used to that. That had become my norm that when I felt safe, grounded, connected, secure, when I trusted, when I felt seen, I thought it couldn't possibly be right. That is not how a romantic relationship had been sold to me for my entire life. So I thought something must have been wrong. Let me tell you, if a relationship feels too easy, it's one of two things. Either one, the above, where you have been so used to turbulence and turmoil that you're not used to something feeling safe and therefore you think it's too easy. You worry maybe it's not, you know, dramatic enough. Not the case at all. It sounds like a healthy, great relationship for you. Or number two, you are both conflict avoidant. And so you're not voicing things as they come up. You're not communicating effectively. And that may feel too easy in the beginning because nobody's nobody's rocking the boat. Nobody's really raising things that might be bothering them. Uh, however, that's going to become an issue later down the track when resentment builds. So I would say that if you are communicating effectively, if you are bringing things up as they come up, hey, I didn't like this. Hey, it hurts my feelings when this happens, etc., etc. And it still feels easy. Hang on to that. That sounds like a great relationship. Green flags all around. <laughs> what can be challenging is morphing from these really toxic, turbulent relationships, if that's what you're used to. And then you get into a relationship that is healthy, stable, safe, secure. It feels untrustworthy for a while. It feels like you're just waiting for it to blow up. You're waiting for the same things to happen. And this really is a sort of like a brain response where you're testing the relationship. When is it going to become just like the other ones, right? So I found this all the time, all the time. I was like, it's too good to be true. Something is going to happen. And the longer that it went on without anything happening, I was like, oh my goodness, maybe this is actually how it's supposed to be. Maybe 
this is what I'm worthy of. And maybe it's not normal (laughs) to be constantly on edge waiting for the fight, waiting to be called out for something that you've done wrong, right? Waiting for him to blow up about something I've posted on Instagram or something that I'm wearing or a way that I behaved or, you know, you can shower without worrying that somebody is going through your phone and looking through all of your messages, right? If that's you, if that's where you are right now, that is not healthy relationship behavior. Okay. Sorry. And on both sides, if you're the one whose phone is being gone through, that is not healthy. If you are the one going through somebody's phone, that is not healthy, right? So we can have healthy, safe, secure relationships. We are worthy of that. We need that. And the constant up and down and being on edge, that is a fight or flight response. You are just so high on stress hormones all the time when you're in relationships like that. It is so, so bad for our health and for our well-being, for everyone involved. And this becomes so ingrained. It took me a very long time to stop sort of even subconsciously expecting my partner to to blow up at me over something I had done or to go through my phone or to have this feeling of me being put on trial, I suppose is the best way to, to describe it. And it really wasn't until... Very recently, I realized how ingrained this was and how I was still sort of deep down, even though I thought I had, I guess, quote unquote, healed this, worked through this. It still is so ingrained that and it's such a quick reaction. It's more of a reaction than a response. It's my body immediately going in to protect me, gearing up for this conflict that may or may not happen and it doesn't happen. And the more times that it doesn't happen, the more times that my nervous system is is regulating and getting used to a relationship that is safe and secure. But it wasn't until very recently that I was like, wow, the difference is amazing. And I find I finally feel that I'm no longer waiting for, I guess, like the rose colored glasses to come off for him to, to be like the last one, to be like everyone else. Right. And it was when we were at a wedding and I was chatting away, dancing, having a great time. I danced so much that I was like covered in sweat. (laughs) I was just having an absolutely great time. I was in this really fun red dress that I just love. It makes me feel really good. And I looked up and my partner was looking at me from across the room, watching me uh, chat to people and dance and, and whatever else. And I looked up and he was looking at me and he looked so proud, so proud of me. He looked so happy. He was looking at me like, wow, that's my girl. And I guess ugh, the polarization between that and my instinct of looking up and seeing him and my immediate bodily response being like, oh no, I'm going to be in trouble for behaving too, I don't know, behaving too fun, (laughs) being too out there, being flirty, laughing, whatever you would like to call it. That was my automatic bodily response. And then to have that 
I guess challenged, but also comforted by seeing him look at me in a moment where I was so truly me. And so I suppose I wasn't holding back at all. I felt really comfortable and looking up and seeing him see me, the core needs were met, right? Of feeling seen, feeling valued, feeling understood. And I thought, wow, he is so confident in us waking up and choosing the relationship, choosing one another, that he is not threatened by me having fun, (laughs) I guess. (laughs) And that felt so safe, so comforting, so secure. And honestly, as a couple, I would say the what we hear the most or what I hear the most and the compliment I receive the most, and I love to hear, hear it. It's so special to me is people will always comment on how we look at each other, how we look at each other when we're apart and we see each other from across the room. People will say, oh, wow, he looks at you like he loves you so much. How beautiful is that? Or you look at him and you you light up when you see him coming over or when you see him talking to other people, you just spot him from across the room. And I get the same compliment when we're together, when we're talking together, people say the way you guys look at each other is so lovely. You're looking at each other and you can just see the love you have for each other and the respect you have for each other. And I love that. That is such a beautiful compliment for me to receive because we trust each other inherently. We make the intentional choice to choose each other each day. There's no jealousy. I don't want to say there's no jealousy because jealousy is not There's no moral judgment on jealousy. Jealousy is just an emotion. There is no harm in feeling jealous. It's a natural human emotion. What is important is our reaction. So while, sure, you're a human and you may feel jealous sometimes, it's the inherent knowing that your partner is choosing you and you are choosing them. It's being faced with jealousy or being faced with temptation and yet you're still making the choice to be with your partner, you're choosing the relationship because the relationship is a choice. Now, what I see really commonly that is of concern to me when it comes to relationships is this really mix up, a real mix up between boundaries and control. I have talked about boundaries on the podcast before. If you work with me, I will talk a lot about boundaries and we will talk a lot about boundaries together. But boundaries have nothing to do with the other person. Saying you are not allowed to go out to clubs is not a boundary. That is control. Your boundaries are for you. They are not for another person. If within your relationship together. You have a discussion together where you both decide that clubbing isn't really for you. You're not really into it. You perhaps feel, you voice that you feel uncomfortable when your partner is at a club and you're voicing that from a place of, this is my emotion. I feel uncomfortable. I'm accountable for that. And then you come to the decision together that you don't like to go to clubs, by yourselves, you prefer to go together. That is totally different. It's your relationship. Whatever works for you, whatever framework you like, that is totally up to you. But telling somebody what they can and can't do is control and it is unhealthy and problematic. 
I see this with how normalized it is to go through your partner's phone, to look at your partner's phone. Girlies, if you have to go through, if you're feeling the need to go through your partner's phone, the relationship is unwell. Like you have bigger problems in the relationship. If the relationship cannot survive without you exerting that kind of control where you're going through his phone or he's behaved in a way that makes you feel that you have to go through his phone, why are you with him? You know, like, no, thank you. If you can take my man via messaging him on Instagram or me- or texting him, if you can take him and he's going to be unfaithful to me because you have messaged him or something, pfft, have him. Have him. I don't fucking want him. How embarrassing. I don't want him if he's going to cheat on me if a girl messages him on Instagram. <laughs> like, what the hell? <laughs> Sis, have him. Have him. He is not for me if that is something that I am worried about, you know? If it's something that you're feeling that you're doing, you need to look at yourself. Where is this coming from? Why do I feel that I need to do this? Has the trust been broken? That is a much larger issue. And that is something that needs to be looked at, worked on, discussed together, perhaps with a third party like a relationship therapist. But the normalization of going through your partner's phone as something that's like kind of cute or funny and I love him so much that like I'm going through his phone and like checking his following to make sure that girls aren't, huh? That is problematic. It is unhealthy. It is controlling. And it's going against this idea of the relationship as a choice. I don't want to force anyone to be with me. If I have to force you to be with me, I don't want you here. See you later. You are a free little dove. Fly free into the wind. You know, I want you to want to be here. I don't want to have to be policing you, checking your messages. Where have you been last night? Absolutely. Fuck that. (laughs) You know, (laughs) that is a deep issue in the relationship that is not going to be fixed by you going through their phone. It is a deep invasion of privacy and that in itself is breaking the trust, right? So you are not fixing the trust. I think the worst thing you can do if you have had a significant break of trust in the relationship, that is not being aided by then going through their phone all the time. All that's doing is almost making that break in trust more severe because you're breaking their trust by constantly going through their phone and looking at their messages or whatever it is that you are doing. So let's stop normalizing controlling behavior as being cute, being romantic, whatever vibe that is. I hate it. Let's unsubscribe from that, please. (laughs) I see this as another example when it comes to things like, oh, I don't let my partner go to Bucks shows that have strippers, or I won't let my partner have strippers at his Bucks show. You know, again, if this has been a two-way conversation with your partner where you've discussed what each of you is comfortable with, what feels uncomfy, what feels respectful, what feels disrespectful, where do you both sit? And you have both 
decided what works for you in a relationship as a unit and have come to that choice, good, cool, great, good for you. That's totally up to you. But if you're just saying, I don't allow my partner to go to the strippers. If you're thinking that putting those rules in place is something that is healthy, no, it is controlling behavior. You can 100% voice your needs, voice what, voice your feelings, how that would make you feel, voice if it makes you feel uncomfortable, if you would prefer he didn't, have that discussion about it. But flat out saying, I don't let him or I don't let her, whatever the case may be, that is not a healthy way to go about it and it is controlling. And again, personally, for me, in my relationship, I couldn't give two hoots if my partner goes to the strippers. <laughs> like, I mean, you know, if he was just randomly going to the strippers every single night instead of coming home, that would be a bit weird. <laughs> that would be something that I would love to have a discussion about. But if he's going to a Bucks show or whatever, and there's strippers there, or he's on a night out, whatever the context, if he wants to go and look at strippers, I could not care less. Why? Because if my man will cheat on me from looking at a random person's boobs, like, pfft, have him. If it's that easy, have him. <laughs> I don't want him. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> you know, and I see the same with, um, that whole commentary that came out over what's that new movie with Sydney Sweeney? Not going to be able to think of the name now, but I saw a lot of comments on TikTok about how girls were working out the timing of her nude scene. So then they could like send their boyfriend to go and get drinks so that he doesn't look at a random actress that he's never going to see in real life naked. You know, that is a calling for some inner work that needs to be done because, yeah, you know, let's, let's be so for real, you know, let's be so for real. And what's empowering is when our relationships are a choice, what's empowering and what's healthy for the relationship is that we are biological animals at the end of the day, we are going to find other people attractive. We are going to notice when somebody is attractive. We are going to look at Sydney Sweeney and say, fuck, she looks good because she does. She looks amazing, right? Doesn't mean that I am leaving the relationship, abandoning the relationship. It's strengthening the relationship when you are faced with a choice and you choose the relationship. These are all choices. These are all instances where you are choosing the relationship, which is strengthening it, which is making it intentional, which is giving that evidence to your partner that you are safe, you are trustworthy and vice versa. That is what builds a healthy relationship is to be faced with conflict, temptation, whatever else it may be, and to come out of it and the choice has been made to prioritize and value and stay with the relationship. The relationship has been chosen. That is empowering and healthy. Control, not empowering, not healthy. This is where thinking of our relationships as a verb, as a doing word, as embodied action, intentional action, instead of as a noun, as something that just exists 
outside of ourselves with no work put into it and just rules and regulations and control dumped on it and thinking that that is just going to exist and thrive outside of ourselves, that's where this really comes into play when it comes to benefiting our relationships and cultivating happy relationships, quality relationships. A healthy relationship in this context is two people making the choice every day to be together. It's having your own identities, but choosing to share a life together, to come home together at the end of the day and to co-create together the life that you want to live while maintaining your autonomy while treating the relationship as a choice and being intentional about it by ensuring that you can go to bed each night saying, I intentionally made my partner feel valued today. My partner knows that I value this relationship, that I am choosing this relationship. That is what is going to cultivate a healthy relationship. It's going to cultivate better well-being, right? Treating the relationship as a choice treating it as a verb, treating it as an action. A healthy relationship is self-trust and it's obviously trust in the other person, right? It's not rules or regulations or control or going through each other's phones or you're not allowed to go and see strippers or you're not allowed to go and see a Sydney Sweetie movie, whatever the case may be. It's knowing that My partner is separate to me. He's a being outside of myself and he will go out into the world and make his own choices. But I inherently trust that he is choosing the relationship because it is intentional and he is making that obvious to me the same as I am making that obvious to him. We have lives, wants, needs, desires, goals outside of the relationship that are just for us, but we share together our lives together. We have ourselves and we have the relationship. That's how you're going to avoid codependency, avoid control, avoid jealousy, and remain still the creator of your own reality within that relationship. Your relationship should not drain you, not long-term anyway. Any relationship can be draining from time to time. We are humans. Everything works in seasons. Relationships are exactly the same. They all have their seasons. You can have a season of feeling a little bit drained, but feeling drained all of the time, more than you are feeling neutral, more than you are feeling joy, is perhaps a sign that the relationship is too turbulent. It's unhealthy. It's keeping you... Like If you're hypervigilant all the time in your relationship, that is literally a trauma response. And I really invite you to reflect on that and think about whether this relationship is healthy for you, whether it's something you want to continue intentionally choosing. And if you're not intentionally choosing it, why are you still there? And what can you change? Choose the relationship, be intentional, but know that you can only control yourself. And that is where that level of trust is going to come in. And again, I really want to make clear that when I'm talking about this, I am not including instances of family violence, instances of abuse in this conversation. 
Obviously, that is different, right? And like I said at the beginning of the episode, there are resources in the show notes. If this is something that you are struggling with, there is help available to you. And I have it linked in the show notes. So go forth. Go out there and think about how can I be intentional in my relationships today? How can I look at the people that are important to me in my life? How can I better nurture that relationship and make it a verb, make it a doing word? How can I water that garden, right? Send that text. Send that message. Give somebody a call. Tell someone you love them today. Truly, this is how we are going to cultivate better relationships and cultivate better well-being. I can't wait to hear how you all go. See you next time.